Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. AdTech Connect, your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Hey there, it's Dorian Sweet uh, here on AdTech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM, and I want to welcome you to another uh, slot here of talking to some industry professionals uh, in the online advertising field. Uh, today we have um, more than just one guest. We have two, actually. We have the first half hour speaking to Mr. Matt Freeman, who is the CEO of Tribal DDB Worldwide. And if that's too many acronyms for you, that is Tribal, which is the interactive division of DDB, which is one of the top advertising agencies in the world, known for many, many favorite uh, TV spots and uh, TV advertisements and print advertisements throughout geez, for the past 30, 40, 50 years. And um, Matt is the uh, head of um, the interactive division. He started up several years ago um, be, being the digital lead and uh, then became the CEO of Tribal, which is um, now a huge network of uh, interactive offices. And I must, under full disclosure, mention to you that I am an employee of Tribal DDB, so I am here publicly kissing ass. No, actually, I won't kiss ass, but um, I'll probably get fired, and that's probably more like my speed anyway, because it's always about tears in the end for me. Um, So I want to welcome Matt. Matt, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how's it going, Dorian? Good, Matt. Good, Matt. So um, we're going to um, just uh, go into a few questions and talk about a few things here, but uh, is there anything about Tribal in particular that you want to mention? Um, i just give you a bit of an introduction about um, how um, Tribal is in relationship to DDB, but um, is there anything about the number of offices and sort of the general information of um, uh, uh, clients that we have that you'd like to share? Uh, sure. Well, uh, Tribal uh, has 33 offices in 21 countries and um, works with clients like Pepsi and McDonald's and uh, Anheuser-Busch, um, ExxonMobil, Philip, uh, Clorox, of course. And uh, I think uh, perhaps most notable, we have uh, this creative superstar in our San Francisco office who uh, whose name keeps eluding me, but... Um, yeah, me too, and I hope he shows up someday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand I'm supposed to fire him, leave him in tears, something yes, like that. Exactly. That's what we're going to be doing after the show. Good. Perfect. So um, um, that's actually very impressive because now thinking about offices around you know the world uh, who do interactive, there aren't many that have so many offices to their to their name. A lot of them have reduced to very few and tend to you know sort of run from larger offices in, in whole regions, even like Europe. I know a few agencies that have like a London office and they try to handle all of Europe from there. Is there any reason why you know Tribal was able to make that work? Well, we uh, we I think had a less melodramatic uh, history over the last seven or eight years than most. We uh, we um, started out uh, behaving like a you know a quote unquote mature company, uh, which was almost bizarre at the time. Uh, you know during the dot com boom uh, when everyone was. Uh, 
pumping up revenues or even headcount, um, and, and profitability was was sort of a um, almost a laughable proposition at the time. Right. Um, people were too busy building market share and buying air on chairs and giving out back rubs, as I recall. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I really can't take credit for the wisdom. It was uh, DDB and Omnicom that uh, that required that we behave that way. And so, uh, long way of saying, we had slower growth, but perhaps more uh, stable growth um, since our inception. And uh, we we were lucky enough to have the DDB uh, worldwide network as a backbone to build off of and also had a client list of, uh, you know, of, of multinational marketers. And so to us, the invisible obvious was that, you know, we had these multinational clients, we had parent company with a worldwide network, and uh, lo and behold, we were working in perhaps the most global medium of all time. And, and so to us, it just made sense. Um, I mean, it was no great leap of faith. It was just, um, you know, almost an invisible obvious that uh, the, the worldwide network would be important to us in our future. And uh, we we really nurtured it um, even before clients um, realized its importance, I would say, because what we used it for in the beginning was as a um, you know a, a knowledge share network because there were different markets that were more advanced in one platform or another. Asia was obviously ahead of uh, the U.S. in mobile technologies. Uh, the U.K. is uh, you know has uh, made great advancements with ITV and Sky. Um, so we, we were able to share learnings um, even even before you know we did the obvious thing of, of uh, really sharing substantial uh, amount of client work. Well, wow, that's amazing. Well, I am happy to be part of this group, um, but I think what's even more important is, is that a lot of people sort of have perceived, you know, the past several years as the adolescence of the Internet. It went through its growing pains, and it did a lot of things that it shouldn't have done, and it got a lot of reputations that it's probably trying to shed. And I think now probably is a good time that it actually it, it's demonstrative of the fact that it has shed a lot of that because not only when the money gets spent in the right direction, it's just the amount of consistency that comes out of some of these agencies, like Tribal, like many others, um, that I think you know lends to that credibility. I, I would agree. Yes, I, I hope yeah. you would. Yeah. All you have to do <laughs> from now on is agree. Man. I, I, you know, I always, I, I hope we uh, never get too mature, but um, but yeah. I think you're right. I mean, we certainly, um, you know, are, are as as an industry much more um, strategically oriented. Um, uh, I think we're, we're much better partners to clients in general uh, than we were certainly, um, uh, you know, as opposed to five years ago or so. And, uh, you know, I think the, the game has improved substantially uh, along with the investments, obviously. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it, although the, the hype hurt us um, and there, there was certainly a, a, a huge amount of overpromising and, and you know, uh, no small number of snake oil salesmen uh, bouncing around, um, I think we we have flushed a lot of that uh, legacy and, um, you know, have, have grown up and, and become a lot more mature, especially on the, on the measurement and analytic and the strategic side. And, and I think that's helped. I mean, I think that's certainly helped grow right. uh, the sector in general. Right. So 
That's very interesting. I think that's that's incredible. And actually, you know, thinking about this past year, 2005, you know, now that we're at the end of it, I think this is the last show of the year for this one. So I guess we get a party hat or something. Very good. Um, so 2005 has actually been a very interesting year. Um, is there anything about this year in particular that, you know, are highlights that you think are, are very interesting that are sort of indicative of changes? They don't have to be about tribal. They don't have to be about anything in particular. It could be about television advertising. Just some things that are indicative of where we're going and how it is going to and be how we're going to be needing the on- online channel more and more. I think you heard uh, to a certain extent the the, the snap of the back of, of uh, network TV this year. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of um, saber rattling about um, doing away with the upfronts for for many years now. But and, and I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to go away or need to go away. But um, but I think certainly the um, uh, you know the Nielsen report, the the lost uh, children, lost men, uh, lost boys, whatever they call them, uh, phenomenon. The beginning of the year, uh, you know, the phenomenal growth of, of Google, Yahoo, Microsoft, the $20 billion valuation of AOL, all these things sort of, um, you know, collided this year to, um, I, I would say, you know, pretty irrevocably shift the balance of power. Um, yeah, that's Target, honey. I'm sorry. I'm driving in the car. Uh, I, I was just telling Dorian earlier, I'm taking my boys to meet their friends to go build a website. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess that's another indication of, of change as well. We do have this, uh, the this new generation coming up that's beginning to have disposable income and certainly, uh, you know, um, influencing purchase decisions, uh, I can say from a personal perspective, that, that are completely fluent in, uh, in, in the world of interactive general, not just the internet, but, you know, everything from TiVo to mobile phones, et cetera. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, just getting back to it, the other, the other thing I would say, so, you know, you do have a shift in balance of power um, from networks to online. The other thing is we did see a tremendous number of uh, global um, agency reviews this year, um, which is obviously a very great positive for tribal, but I, I would say it's a positive for the industry in general. I think they're uh, marketer now beginning to look at this not only as a, as a large and, and serious commitment, but also as a, uh, a global commitment, um, which is good for you know both uh, more established markets and developing markets right. uh, in our sector as well. That's that's actually really interesting, and it kind of sets up my next question. But actually, I wanted to ask you a question about what you're going to do, which is go with your sons to um, build a website. Which their idea, is, by the way, not mine. I certainly we certainly build enough of them. I didn't need to do it on vacation. It's their website. Okay, that's good. Are you going to start yeah. out by asking them what their ROI metric is going to be? Yeah. No, completely. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, they're VC backed. Um, they're eight and four, and you know, their friends uh, a uh, formed a management team, and you know, I I don't know. We're um, we're going to be pretty tough on them. The board, uh, the dads, and I. Everybody wants a tickle me Elmo chair. Yeah. Well, I, I would I would look for an IPO by um, you know Q2. That's going to be an acronym of another sort <laughs> at that age. I won't yeah, they, they, I they won't have been wanting to build a website for a long time, and they've been uh, you know coming up with different names and websites that they wanted to link to and, and things like. That. But I mean, you know, it's they, they're on the internet all the time, um, and it, it really was their idea. The friends um, wanted to sort of almost form a. Uh, you know, MySpace-like website that that uh, had all their interests um, uh, consolidated on in, in one site, and that that's interesting because you think about you know what all this is all this work that we're doing now is really you know sort of preliminary work for what you know your children and a whole bunch of other people's children are going to be using pretty regularly. Totally. 
And totally, I think that, but I mean, you know, you look at, kind of I, I mean, I've me. been um, talking with a, a friend of mine who's an engineer over, over the vacation, and um, I mean, he's, he's looking at all these uh, holographic technologies and things like that, and I, you know, it just, uh, you know, it, it dawned on me that, you know, that all the, the Ray Bradbury uh, talk of the last couple of decades may actually, uh, you know, come to fruition in their yeah. lifetime. I mean, you know, I, I think there really is somewhat of an explosion on the, uh, <clears throat> on the, you know, the hardware and the software side, and it's, um, I, I still think it's pretty exciting. It's still, we're very clearly still at the very beginning of this. Right. Well, I think it's going to be interesting in itself. We'll, we'll all have to you know, just wait it out and keep working. So um, I have another question for you. Um, yes, sir. Which is talking about a lot of the brands. A lot of brands are big ones that you actually work on. The, um, the a lot of the major brands are doing some sort of online right now, <clears throat> and you know that says that they're up to speed with the medium. They're sort of you know playing in the the ball games as as it were. But do they still have a long way to go? In your opinion, do you think a lot of them are doing it, but kind of on automatic because there's still a lot of the people who work there are still trying to understand and get up to speed with understanding the value? Uh, well, I, I think we're all still trying to get up to speed. I mean, I, I think that's uh, going to be, a, you know, the perennial challenge for us because, <laughs> excuse me, um, the, you know, the, the truth of the matter, really what keeps me up at night is it seems that uh, interactive agencies and interactive marketers in general have, have largely become traditional. You know, I mean, it's... It, we, we've become calcified a, a little bit um, in, in the same way that we accuse traditional agencies of being 10 years ago or so. And, you know, you have all these startups that are looking at mobile technologies and, you know, community technologies and <coughs> um, different things, and, and it becomes quickly apparent that there is there's sort of an, a new, new media generation, um, which, you know, if we're not careful, could could Amazon, uh, could Amazon all of us to, uh, you know, pull a phrase from the past. Right. Gosh. Well, that's true. And I think also with just with a, a lot of clients and a lot of major brands is that they are spending money. And in this sense, a lot of them think, you know, um, that this is like they got to start on day one doing interactive and, and seeing value on day 30. And it's, it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways because we often use measurement to sort of get them into the medium. This is how it's been for the past several years. You know, it's the training wheels that gets clients into believing the medium's worthwhile. Right. And, and in doing that, though, it, it becomes sort of an addictive process. You, you start out with a branding client, you get them in by showing them all the measurement, and then you have to talk them out of it in a few years and convince them that, you know, is this still a branding medium, too? Well, and, I think, you know, you know it's, it's, measurement is a very broad term, too. Right. I mean, I, you know... I, uh, uh, brand um, KPI measurement is still valid um, in our medium, just as it is on TV or print or anywhere else. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's certainly not just uh, about direct response. Um, and, you know, and I think folks like uh, um, uh, folks who I'm, of course, blanking on the the uh, XOM study, the cross media optimization study, right? Um, that IAB has done is a good example of you know people looking at it measurement in a more holistic way. And that's true. I mean, we we one of the, uh. the things that are extremely evident is that you know internet is number three in media consumption underneath TV and radio, and that's going to keep increasing. Um, and it's not just internet. I think we, we're also seeing that you know the digital channel, as it were, is diffusing. You know, it's becoming yeah. mobile phone oriented. It's becoming interactive television oriented in some areas of the world and 
you know, when we think about sort of the broadening of that form of communication, it's really just like this amazingly large channel. It's not one channel with one rule. Totally, totally. And, you know, when you throw, I mean, you can look at each one of the ones that you just mentioned, and I would throw video games in there as well, as, as a discrete, you know, world. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you have Xbox 360 with, uh, you know, an online marketplace where you can buy virtual goods and, you know, uh, use, use it as a phone and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's also a broadband push channel. It's each one of these is, has such complexity and and uh, you know fantastic opportunity, obviously that goes with it. That trying to be smart about where you invest your money, I think, becomes more and more challenging. But you know, it also is a great time for um, uh, you know for innovative marketers because there is rich new uh, uh, ground to till. Right, and I and that's true. Also, you know, just thinking about you know, okay, look, we were looking back at 2005 and seeing some big things that are going on. You know, one of the other things that I think is huge and is going to continue, and in some ways I have disdain about it because um, I think it's going to be an overload and almost an overreaction to one factor, which is broadband penetration. Now we're going to. We're, some people say it's at 60. Some people say it's at 75. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's happening, and video is now, you know, getting incorporated into lots of things. Yeah. And, and is, you know, the it's big. Let's just say it's a big thing that's going on right now. It's pretty obvious to say to see that it is. Um, but a lot of people who I talk to think, well, it's just another way for TV spots to be put some other place um, without having to put much effort into it. Do you think that's true? Uh, you know, look, I, I think that's about as wise as putting your TV script on a billboard. You know, it's right. like the, the context and the um, the environment in which you're reaching people is just as you know just as relevant to how effective you're going to be as, as the message itself so uh, you know long way of saying no I, I, that's relatively foolish and um, <coughs> I think people don't expect to uh, see the same old uh, stuff that they've been going through great pains to skip in other media their expectations are different online um, and you know, although it's not to say that all TV is bad, it's not at all. But I think you know, we, it, it's not that it's automatically right either. That's interesting, and that's and I think that's one of the areas where there's a lot of opportunity. Where the um, you know the use of video or TV spots in themselves can be tailored, can be created for a web audience, which you know, and which is a new alien sort of being that for most marketers is very difficult to understand, and even and even with any traditional you know or or, you know, TV agency or print agency, you know, that's sort of a new animal to tackle because you can take all the ethnography, you can, you can take all the demographics and the psychographics that, de- that you deal with in the non-internet or non-digital world, and in a lot of ways you throw them out because you have to recreate them because, you know, you, you now have an interactive medium where people are participating in their content uh, and not just watching it. And I feel like I've been saying that for, you know, 10 years. I, I feel, I'm sure you feel the same way. A lot of people who we've all worked with have been saying that over and over, but still, that's a huge factor. Um, and a lot of times, and this is kind of an earlier question that I was going to bring up, a lot of times people, you know, as we talked about, it's online's been thought of as a direct response channel in the beginning. It was sort of the way to get people into it. But now and more and more is, you know, not only the work with, you know, major brands, but any, just about any brand, you know, branding in itself is now a viable, you know, method to use online for. And as all these dollars from these brand dollars, which obviously there's a lot more of, flow to online, you know, 
does measurement become less important, and isn't it just more of just volume that's important? No, you know what? Again, I would say that uh, you know you can waste dollars just as easily online as you can on TV. So I, I wouldn't, and I, I, I believe very much in measurement. I, I, I'm not sure that you know that this scatterfire approach is uh, any more valid online than it is on on TV or anywhere else. So I, I mean, I guess you know. Uh, Again, long way of saying, no, I don't think measurement goes away. I just think that, um, you know, you're going to have many different types of marketers now uh, coming online in, in, in significant volume levels that have, you know, as varied objectives as, as they do in the outside world. I mean, you know, you're not necessarily selling uh, McDonald's directly online, although, there, you know, there are things that you can do direct. Um, and uh, so that, that those objectives are probably um, a little bit different than, you know, someone like Dell, who, who obviously has a very closed-loop uh, sales model online, um, right. plus phone. Right. And I think to that, you know, um, when you try to create this separation of, you know, you know, measurement, you know, for direct response, a measurement for branding, I think that's all well and good. I think there's a lot of other measurement we can do. And of course, we don't want to get our abacus out and our slide rulers out and start really figuring out a new way to measure everything. But I think eventually we're going to evolve to this place of, you know, this sort of shifting metric of what's important. First, it was clicks, and then it was conversions, and conversions will always be important. And then it's, you know, branding interactions and it just keeps evolving and all of that data is is there I think that's kind of the interesting part of online is that all the data for measuring just about anything anybody does with an ad or the website is there it's just there's no real consensus over what's valuable well I, I think that's true and it always will be idiosyncratic um, to a certain extent you know because again uh, different businesses have different um, you know um, uh, levers that they they want to pull but you know I, I, I agree with your point I mean in in general terms, we look at return on involvement. Um, you know, I mean, it is the objective in general is to um, you know, to do something enticing enough that um, we involve uh, consumers in an experience, whether it's you know online commerce or it's um, you know playing a game or, or uh, an interactive video or, or, or what have you. It, it is involvement that is ultimately our our goal. I mean, we, you know, we talk about it as as brand demand uh, at Tribal, which is that you know in an, in a world where so many media are on demand, you know, the only way to avoid getting skipped, uh, so to speak, is to be attractive, to create things that are useful and magnetic and, and you know, exciting enough so that people actually choose to experience them. Um, and, and I wholly believe that, uh, you know, I, I completely believe that that's possible for for any marketer. Um, I think, you know, it's just it's a great creative challenge for the agencies, quite honestly. Uh, I mean, you work on Clorox, which, you know, historically has been a very low consideration. You know, they, they have a lot Product, of products yeah. in low consideration categories. You've managed to do things that are extremely engaging um, right. online. And, and so, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible. I just think it um, is a different orientation for marketers um, than when they could absolutely count on, uh, you know, uh, uh, Interruption um, be their their uh, you know their their uh, line into consumers right and you you talk about magnetic and and you know creating experiences that people have you know that are positive uh, using online a lot of times that 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 kind of runs up against um, uh, a lot of things which brand Sorry, managers the, the, the creative, the creative department is getting testy in the backseat that's fine um, <laughs> uh, that actually I was going to say that I was going to take the hit for that one that that was just me screaming while I was talking. <laughs> Okay, hang on, buddy, okay? The website will be built soon. 
So um, okay. we're just going to wrap up in a few minutes. Um, Absolutely. But, but the the point there was is that brand managers have been sort of the cop of the brand for a very long time, and that's sort of been an ingrained practice of like you know strict control of all the aspirations of a brand and all the all the things that they want the brand to be about. But online brings the sort of a challenge of trying to open up a brand. And I think that's okay. Hold on. That's step fine. outside in the rain. Hold on. Y- yeah. You know. I mean, it's it's funny. You 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 make a very interesting point because you know the ultimate control of a brand has always been consumers. Right. You know. I mean, it's it it's it's always been true. But I think now the the fact um, that it is consumers who are more in control of a brand uh, in some ways than than the people who are supposed to own the brand is is just glaringly apparent right you know i mean you you have um you you've always had you know people who who like a brand or or dislike a brand or you know are are uh, passionate one way or the other but now you have a medium that lets them you know publish their opinions in 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 blogs and in websites and in all kinds of different formats, and that that voice can be competitive with uh, you know a, a professionally funded voice. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know I, the example that keeps coming in my mind. It's an old one, but uh, Untied. dot com. You know, instead of United, uh, the the airline. Uh, right. It was you know this collection of people who uh, years ago put together a website Untied, which is all about how what a, you know what a mess United was. And the brands, you know, have to I, be a lot more I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm just saying that they, uh, you know, had created a medium in a way that, uh, you know, that was able to garner a, a public audience where, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it would only be, you know, NBC, uh, they could do something like that. You know what I mean? It was right. never in the hands of the, of the unwashed uh, public. Right, exactly. So listen, hey, we're running out of time, but okay. um, Matt, I wanted to ask you one more question. Yes, sir. And uh, that was, what no, you're is not, not fired. on your iPod? We love you. Was that the question? What What is not on your iPod? What is not on my iPod? Uh, let me think. You can answer uh, this anyway. Uh, okay, I will say that Kids Bop is not on my iPod. And if you don't know what that is, uh, you're, you're a lucky man. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, I'll find out someday, I'm sure. You will find out someday, I'm sure. All right. Okay, Dorian. So, listen, um, Matt, thank you very much, everybody. This is uh, Matt Freeman, um, the um, CEO of Tribal DDB Worldwide. And um, thank you for spending some time with us and uh, keeping the brand manager in your back seat quiet. <laughs> and um, and um, good luck to you uh, in the new year, obviously. I'm obviously going to wish that on myself as well. But good luck to you, and um, I really do appreciate you spending the time with us. My pleasure, Dorian. Happy holidays to you. Thanks very much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Ad Tech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM, and my name is Dorian Sweet. Um, I want to um, welcome you to stay online and uh, listen to uh, Yossi Herber, our next guest, and um, we'll be doing that in just a few minutes, as long as you can take it. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types hooker, escort, hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. 
What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock solid on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com Now back to You're connected now with your host. Hi, it's Dorian Sweet um, here on AdTech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM and um, I want to uh, just let you welcome our next guest. His name is Yossi Herber. Yossi, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hi, Yossi. Um, Listen, um, just so everybody gets an idea who you are, you're the founder and president of the Ox- of Oxford Hill Partners, uh, which is a strategic marketing firm. Um, you help people specifically maximize their website's revenue potential, as I understand. Um, and really, you just help them make their money out of their websites when they probably aren't. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. It's all so, about money. Uh, generally, um, you know... Just quickly to understand more about Oxford Hill Partners, just, you know, what kind of clients do you work with and in what capacity do you usually help them, just to give a little more detail on that? We really help companies, um, you know, all kinds of companies, large companies, consumer product companies, B2B companies, you know, help them optimize their website so they can drive new and incremental revenue streams from sort of their existing web assets. It's not really about sort of creating something from new, but how do you kind of look at your customer and consumer insights and then create sort of unique and custom solutions that kind of change the rules of the game in their categories. It's not, it's not so like buying, it's not like buying a new car. It's actually fixing the one you have and making sure it's more efficient and it's doing what you need it to do, getting better mileage for your money. Correct. That's great. So, um, you know, thinking about that, I think there's, you know, almost everybody has a website. We were just talking to um, uh, Matt Freeman of uh, Tribal DDB, my boss, ultimately. Um, but he was on the way to build a website with his five- and eight-year-old. Um, so everybody has a website, it seems. Um, and I think they're going off to build like a MySpace for you know his kids, uh, which is going to be pretty interesting. But you know, when it comes down to it, the, a website for everybody is a thing of the future, if we think about it. But not everybody needs to make money out of their website. It's more of a personal expression tool. Um, as you know, we think about major brands or major companies that you work with. Um, you know, what are the what are the real challenges? And and specifically, you know, what areas do you focus on? Is it everything? Is it all CPG? Is it finance? Is it you know? Is it e-commerce? I mean, just just give us an idea more about what Oxford Hill does. You know, more I would say more consumer oriented products or B two B. So there's a lot of consumer packaged goods types of companies that we we're working with. Um, as well as B2B, anybody who's really either selling something online or potentially trying to sell something at retail. Because very often the purpose of the website is not necessarily for somebody to buy something on the spot, but it's to develop a relationship with them over time to get them interested enough in your product. So eventually they, they go into Walmart, 
you know, or into Albertsons and buy the product that you're trying to sell. So building preference, in a sense. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that is one of the things that has been, I don't know if it's always been proven, but it's been very evident through websites is that, you know, whether it's online advertising or websites, is that people will, you know, um, see a brand and they'll try to find the URL somehow. And I'm sure there's a lot of studies about, you know, what the best delivery of a URL for a, for a company is, either it's on pack or on TV or on print or whatever. And all of them work, but is there anyone that's better than another? But, you know, then they go to the website after they've either seen some advert or have been informed some way about the product, and they go look around. And, and then that in itself is kind of an interesting premise because no longer is it um, – we know someone sitting in their chair, you know, between, you know, 7 o'clock in the evening and 10 o'clock in the evening, and they watch these channels or they read these magazines, and so here's all the advertising we're going to target to them. It's more that they're out there looking for you, and how you present yourself has to be compelling. Um, I think in some ways, um, sometimes people overtry and sometimes people undertry. <laughs> Um, have you had a lot of it? Do you see a lot of that trend of like sort of reevaluating the website in a lot of the clients that you work with? Well, I think that you know a lot of people today, given how search search engine marketing has really brought profitability to the web over the last couple of years, and I think you know uh, in the late '90s the web was going to change the world, and, and I think people overestimated its value, and it was a bit sort of ahead of its time. And then oh, it did, actually. I, did I think in the last couple of years, all of a sudden, because of Google and because of search and the power of search and the measurability of search, which today, by the way, I think accounts for close to 50% of all advertising online, you know, a lot of companies have come to the realization that, hey, you know, this, this website is something to be reckoned with. This isn't just a, a small medium sitting along, uh, along the side you know, together with everything else we're doing, but it's really something that's, that's a key medium for the company that could potentially drive a lot of sales for them. And and with that, you know, that in itself with um, a being a key communication tool um, and with the, you know, in, in a, a increasing growth in broadband um, usage in the U.S. in particular, let's just say, I mean, I think worldwide it's going up as well, but in the U.S. especially, um, you know, and then, you know, the use of video and then gaming and network gaming and TiVo and all these things, you know, are websites having to turn into being like a, this monster sort of advertisement consumer information tool. I mean, because in a sense, it's not only about information and about access to that information, but, you know, it does have to keep people on it. Oh, absolutely. I think to some degree you're 100% right, but I think that that's okay. You know, for the first time in early 2005, there were more households in America that had broadband than there were households that had dial-up. And I think what broadband offers in terms of video and gaming and some of the other things that you, you just mentioned, that's really what people want. I mean, people want things that are visual. Um, everything is visual. I mean, even in the corporate world today, a PowerPoint presentation is more visual than it is words. And if that's what thank people God. want, thank God, right? <laughs> if that's what people want, as long as you can create some kind of a value exchange with them, you know, meaning to say you give them something fun and something enjoyable, maybe about your product, uh, they're gonna, then they're going to watch your ad. But in exchange for that, you know, there's a pretty good chance they're going to then buy something because of that. They're really in control. I mean, what's, what's happening today is the customer is in total control. The web has created um, an environment where the customer is in total control. Mm-hmm. That's true with television as well, with TiVo. I mean, you can erase the commercials, run right by them. Mass marketing is really dead to a degree. And because or it's, it's going to get there eventually. And because many consumers who used to be easy to reach through mass marketing are becoming harder to reach 
through websites, you could target the right people properly. And if you give them the right form of entertainment value right on your website, it creates a situation of stickiness for your website, and it gives you more time and more opportunity to ultimately sell them your product. So in many ways, it's becoming like TV. I mean, you know, the computer and the web is becoming a version of TV. Entertainment is moving there, gaming and so on. Right, and then, and I think that's kind of in itself that's very interesting. You know, um, what's the one I heard the other day? You know, uh, the only people who care about mass marketing are the people who actually create the programs because no one else knows what it is. Because <laughs> now niche marketing is literally like you know, in my world, I get the advertising that I think you know I deserve, and um, I don't really care about all the other stuff. And I'm glad it doesn't get sent to me. A lot of people are, uh, I think, afraid of that sort of you know centralization around the consumer. Um, not afraid, but I think they're finding it as a daunting task because in a lot of ways, you know, I, I'm in an you know, advertising agency that does online advertising. I deal with clients who um, think mass market still. You know, not only is the internet sort of changed things as, as we can see in a lot of ways for the, over the past 10 years um, that are very tangible, and some of them aren't, um, we can also realize that during that process, a lot of what you and myself and lots of other people in the internet advertising or search or web development or mobile marketing industry have been doing is a lot of education. And, um, you know, we can't just expect people to understand what the value of a medium is by just creating a technology. And I think that's some of the the, the more daunting tasks that we have to deal with. But education will always be a part of what we do, probably for the next at least 10 years more. Um, and then everybody's going to get it, and then we can all retire, right? right. But I, I think what's interesting is that clients, you know, are always a bit behind. I mean, that's why I hire agencies. That's why I hire professionals like yourself to help them understand what they need to do better. Um, and a lot of times you get some clients who sort of push forward pretty quickly and they want to do something showy and innovative and cool. Um, but, you know, a lot of times that's very a, a, a tough sell for uh, agencies or not clients or big brand organizations, which um, are very tight about the way they present themselves. And um, online presents a challenge because the medium is much more open. There are many variety of things that you can do. Um, so there's an interesting scenario that gets set up there is that you have people who are learning how to use the medium and then people like you and I who help them. And then you have people in those agencies who want to do something big and showy and get a big press release. But that tends to, you know, be a hit or miss sort of thing. And a lot of times, you know, they try to do something innovative. It gets killed. And, um, you know, they're criticized then, you know, months later for not doing anything innovative. So it's a bit of a paradox because, you know what, the competitor is the person doing the innovative thing because they got their head straight or they got, you know, the right amount of technology or the planets aligned properly. But it's an interesting, you know, situation in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, what, what is it? Where, where do clients and agencies get stuck sort of in the preliminary stages of trying to make sure either their website or their marketing programs uh, can be as cutting edge or as innovative or as measurable as possible? Well, it's interesting. I, I, kind of, I actually spend most of my – I've been working now for about 20 years. But the majority, overwhelming majority of my years were at Kraft General Foods, you know, in Dannon. Mm-hmm. You know, and I worked on Jello commercials and Dan and yogurt commercials. I invented the kids' yogurt category. Great. You met Bill Cosby. So some really cool things that I've been involved with. Um, but if you really think about how these big companies work or how they've traditionally worked with all the other advertising mediums, and I'll get to the web in a second, yep. traditionally the large companies will set 
strategy. I think what's happening today is that a lot of the agencies are still sort of stuck in the old mass marketing school, uh, which, and even if, they're, even if they're into the web, they tend to be more biased towards good creative and, and a website that's kind of pretty. And since many of the clients, you know, um, you know, don't necessarily know what to do with the web, what's happening is, is rather than write the strategic plan and have the agency execute against that strategic plan, they're just saying to the agency, listen, we don't know what to do. You write the plan, you come up with the creativity and so on. And since many of these companies are used to looking at things, how they, you know, how they line up versus a strategy, they get confused because the agency comes back with a strategy of some sort, uh, which tends to be more creative and biased, which it traditionally was when they were doing regular advertising. And the, and, and the client gets a bit confused and they're not sure what to do with that. And that's because that's not how they've traditionally worked in the past. I think the, the, what companies need to do is give clear strategic direction to the agency as to sort of what it is that they're looking for. Are they looking to drive new traffic? Are they looking to build relationships? Are they looking for a call to action to maximize their revenue? Whatever it might be, what are their objectives with a particular brand? Then the agency can go off and do their creative magic. I think then when they come back with something innovative, I think then it makes sense to the client. Right. That that's, that that's actually reminds me of a, a joke, which is how many Internet professionals does it take to put in a light bulb? Well, 10. Um, but you, you hear the first one speaking in technobabble, and you don't really care. You just want the light bulb put in. And I think you could push, you know, I think with the, with the agencies and with the client, in order to push some of these creative ideas through, um, you know, often you'll have a situation where there is somebody who's younger at the client, you know, somebody mid-level, lower-level right. manager who really wants to move forward, who's pushing with the agency, and, but some of the senior people don't know much about the web. So I think the way you deal with that is, is you try to do a small test. Try a couple of things, you know, get some quick success stories, show the results. Once they see the, the results, they see the profitability, somebody clearly sees ROI, I think that speaks, you know, those kinds of actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Then even the client, I think, will move forward with some of those big ideas. Well, it's an interesting dynamic because um, in a lot of ways, I, I think back about this the past year, and this year I think being a very big one for obviously anything to do with digital marketing. Um, and I think about some of the events which I feel like are the compass points or sort of the, the, the way, the barometers of, you know, where we're going. And um, one of them is, you know, a major, you know, CPG company, a beverage company, um, making a, a three-year plan to shift a majority of their TV dollars into other mediums, you know, internet, digital marketing being one of them, um, probably the one that gets the lion's share. And another one is uh, an instance where I was in a conference and, you know, the CMO of a major brand, you know, having a casual coffee conversation before a meeting got underway with the head of, um, I think it was strategy or creative for the company I was working with, um, looking at them and saying, you know what, it's not about TV anymore, and that's what we need to start talking about. Um, and, and I know yeah. that, that that CMO didn't know a lot about Internet, but I knew they knew enough to say that it wasn't about TV. It's a great observation. I mean, you know, today, I think, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but something like 15% of a person's time looking at advertising mediums is looking at the web. That's excluding email. Right. Yet only under 5% of all spending today is with the internet. There's a huge gap there. I, mean, I find that in the past year alone, I, I speak a lot at you know, business schools and ad tech and conference board and DMA and conferences and so on and so forth. And a year ago when I did that, I was still getting some of the glaze you know, in people's eyes when you talk about these things. I think today when you talk about these things, I think people are really, they may not know exactly what to do, 
specifically, but I think people are coming around to the realization that this is a medium that is really, it's not just another medium, but it's, it's, it's slowly becoming the medium and the way to reach consumers who are becoming harder to reach. That's, yep, that's exactly true. You know, while we're, while we're talking here, I want to make sure everybody under, knows how to get through to you. You're, you have a website, correct? Correct. And it's Oxford Hill. Partners. Partners. Can you let me know what it is? Oxford, that's as in the university, Hill, singular, partners, plural. So it's OxfordHillPartners.com. And I'm Y Heber, Y-H-E-B-E-R. Great, at great. OxfordHillPartners.com. Just so you get like 100 emails between now and when we end the show. So you have things <laughs> oh, to do afterwards. <laughs> so um, moving on, um, we um, probably um, have done a lot of measurement as we I think we talked about this a little bit there's so many things to measurement measure online and um, you know in the beginning it was clicks on banners and then you know sort of visits to websites and it, supplementally it was also volume of traffic or peaks or dips in volume were measured and these all these things are still continue to be measuring but the emphasis you know sort of has been shifting and it's been evolving conversions was the other thing that was going on and you know conversions is huge because that's the real sale that we're looking for um, but at the same time that we do all this measurement sometimes we get myopic we get kind of narrow view of you know what the value is of of what we're doing and do you think the measurement metric is going to evolve into a certain direction or is there going to be a new measurement metric or is there just something that's going to that people need to focus on specifically and and not uh, keep talking about clicks all the time I would say that um, you know almost definitely I mean I think people need to go way beyond this the problem today is that kind of the existing web analytic tools that exist you know, really have some weaknesses and blind spots. They tend to be very narrow in scope, kind of measuring clicks or volume or you know, where people drop out, which is really only a 10 to 20% slice of what's going on. Also, there's so much data, and I think a lot of the senior people in companies are just, you know, they don't know what to do with all of it. I mean, how actionable is it? There's really nothing that measures kind of the overall health and effectiveness of a website and its ability to generate sort of, sort of revenue and maximization of revenue. One of the things that, that my firm has done, Oxford Hill Partners, we've developed a tool. It's actually a patent-pending tool called EQ Pulse. This is really sort of the first simple tool that kind of takes a 30,000-foot view of the overall effectiveness of the website and its ability to drive traffic. So you get a score. that We're looking at about 125 different aspects, grouped in what I've coined as the eight strategic revenue driver categories of a website. Mm -hmm. I can tell you a little bit about what those are. And you kind of get a total score. It's sort of like a FICO score you know, that measures a person's credit worthiness, and it tells you how strong this website is. And then you get separate scores for each of the eight broad strategic revenue drivers, and we look at that versus the, com the com competition and industry best practices. And we're able to identify strengths and weaknesses and gaps, kind of like a health measurement you would take when you did a physical exam. And really, everything that drives the effectiveness of a website kind of fits in one of these eight categories. And again, I've started talking about this at a lot of conferences and business schools. And you know, those categories are what we'd call potential traffic and new customer acquisition. How well does the website do that? You know, where are you on Google? You know, what's your traffic ranking? Your homepage and branding is the category number two. Is the homepage simple? Are the products all in one place? Products and merchandising is the third category. Do you not just talk about your products, but do you celebrate them with enthusiasm, with endorsements? Do you talk about who your clients are? The fourth area is what I call navigation and customer experience. Is there a site map? If you're on page five of the website, can you get back to the home page easily? You know, many people don't know the URL because they came in through a search engine. And then they get lost on page five. They can't get back. They get frustrated. They drop out. Mm -hmm. The 
fifth category is what we call entertainment or educational value and stickiness. Are there games? Are there white papers? And so on to keep people there so they get engaged with your product. Customer care and trust is the sixth category. The seventh category is what I call call to action and revenue maximization. This is what you spoke about earlier, the importance of conversion. Do you talk, you know, is there a call to action? Do you say free shipping? You know, do you cross-sell? Do you upsell? You know, Amazon does a great job. You go to Amazon and you're looking to buy a book for $20, they'll automatically offer you another $22 book related to the same topic that you had just asked about, and then they'll bundle them together and say, get both for $32. Right. So now they've just increased their revenue by 60%, right? And you've got a good chance of buying it because if you came to Amazon for a book about the World Series and they give you another book and you're interested in that, there's a pretty good chance you're going to buy it. It's a great recreation of sort of the impulse buy, too. Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of you're there, it's impulse because the person came there for that purpose. Your credit card is out. Absolutely. And even CPG, you know, I get some CPG companies that say, well, we don't sell anything on the web, so what's there to cross-sell? And the answer is there's a lot to cross-sell because if you're selling, you know, your Dove soap, for example, and you're talking about uh, you're looking up a soap because you've got sensitive skin, and they, sell you, they tell you, oh, by the way, you know, not only do we make soap for sensitive skin, we make cream, we make conditioners. The person didn't know that. They'll likely go to retail and be looking for that. Mm, and the right. most important category, one of the most important categories, really is the eighth category, which is sort of the final category, is what I call relationship building and customer attention. Do you ask for an email address? Do you explain to the person why you want the email address? What are they getting in exchange for that? Because if you just ask for an opt-in email address, they're going to say, why, why should I give that to you? I don't need any more email. But if there's something in there, you know, for them, you know, exclusive offers, special content, you know, a special tool that's only available if you sign up, you know, a buddy, you know, a chat room, whatever it may be, there's a very good chance they'll do that for you. And you build that database over time, you could sell them more products. So these are, these are kind of the areas that very few of these tools really look at holistically. And I think right. companies, you know, the CPG, a lot of this really comes from CPG, from my education, having worked for these companies and saying, okay, let's, let's try to take the knowledge from the consumer packaged goods and the best B2B companies and apply them to the web in a holistic and a strategic way. That's kind of a new way of thinking. It's something we look at with our clients. Well, in a sense, it's you know, it's almost if you could take every every marketing person, whether it's on the agency side and the client side, and make them work in a small shop for you know, <laughs> six months and just teach them the basics of of the customer experience, which is you know, it has to be a positive experience. You have to help people with what they're looking for. You don't have to bug them. Uh, don't you know? My pet peeve is don't ever ask them, "Are you finding everything okay?" Because I, I just can't stand that. I've heard that way too much in this holiday season. Um, and also, it just doesn't sound like proper English to me. Um, but, you know, teach them about something that they may not have known about. You know, pay attention to them. Give them great feedback for what they're asking for. Or if you can't help them, you know, help them some other way. It may not affect you um, directly, but you might be able to refer them to something that might be of value to them. So overall, you know, when they get to the cash register, you know, they're going to buy and they might also feel open to buying something else. But ultimately, even if they only buy something for $0.10, cents, you know, you've, you've gained $10 in value out of, out of the experience for them, so they feel like they will come back. Um, and it's so easy to get lost in the, you know, I need the button bigger, or, you know, we need to tell them about our, you know, sweepstakes promotion, or, you know, the things that are important to the client are not always important to the user of the website. Um, and it's always realigning those those values. So it sounds like that your program really does take that that holistic view first, uh, 
and then breaks it down, um, which is very interesting. Do you do you find um, clients you work with are very receptive to this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're they're, they're very. I think they find it very intriguing because what I hear from people is is that there's so much data that comes out of some of these other tools. They don't know what to do with any of the data. And the, I think the beauty of this tool is it really identifies some low-hanging fruit. Sometimes you can make simple changes that cost nothing, and it can generate millions of dollars in incremental revenue. It also, it also tells you about what your competitors are doing. You know, one of the things I, I see sometimes with, with, with companies is that they have no idea what their competitors are doing with their websites or how to even assess how their website benchmarks versus their competitors. So this is something that not only scores all of the attributes about your website, but looks at the looks at what your competitors are doing and can provide an early warning sign of something a competitor may be doing. That If you don't find out about it for a year, you'll never be able to fix it. You can't catch up. It's too late. Right, right. And then you have to do a sort of end run, or you might have to just redo the website entirely. Correct. Kind of interesting. Well, I think that, that in itself, you know, we're, we're faced with a lot of challenges because um, – it's not just about websites anymore. There's more and more devices. There's more interrelated devices to um, the website. But the website's still sort of a key hub, and all these other devices, mobile phones, PDAs, you know, um, and a variety of other uh, products are the spokes. And, you know, still, that it doesn't mean that one's better than the other or one's more essential than the other, but there is sort of a central primary area where people do manage their stuff. Um, and they're learning. They've learned to do it. I've seen with website design. Website design has gone from all sorts of interpretations of how to, you know, get into a website and experience it to very standardized ways of, you know, setting up navigation and primary communications and so forth, which is great. I mean, you do need some standardization. Um, but um, it, it's all very interesting, and it sounds like what, uh, you know, your company, Oxford Hill Partners, does is um, provide a lot of great service to people. So we're going to wrap things up. Um, I've got one more question for you. So um, it's a pretty easy one, but you can answer it any way you like. Um, what is not on your iPod, Yossi? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Well, uh, it's not on my iPod. My phone is not on my iPod. It used to be that I carried around a phone, a palm, and a BlackBerry. Now they've got the trio. It's got all three. I guess I could predict that at some point in the future, the iPod, which has the music and the video, will sort of be integrated in that. Instead of calling it a, a, a trio, they're going to call it a quadro because it's going to have the phone also. <laughs> I'm sure that's not yeah. far off. But that'll that's, solve all my problems. I'll have everything in one unit. Well, I happen to hear just by being out in the Bay Area in San Francisco that that's one thing that Apple's been working on for a while. So um, um, it could come any time now. So Can't wait. Um, so um, I want to thank you again, Yossi, Yossi Herber, the founder and president of Oxford Hill Partners, for joining us. And um, I wish you good luck, and people can get a hold of Yossi at OxfordHillPartners.com. Um, thanks again for everything, Yossi. A pleasure. See you, Dorian. Bye-bye. This is Dorian Sweet um, on Ad Tech Connect at Webmaster Radio FM. I want to thank Yossi Herber for joining us, as well as Matt Freeman. Um, and we will... Look forward to having you join us again sometime. Um, once again, enjoy the rest of your year and looking forward to a new, uh, uh, an exciting 2006. Bye-bye.